All right, Galatians 5, you guys can turn there in your Bibles. Today we're going to look at the last part of Galatians 5. But last week, what we learned from Paul was the idea of the fruit of the flesh. So if we're following the flesh, what types of things will manifest out of our lives? So verse 19, Paul reveals the flesh. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, Paul revealed to us simply that the Spirit of God will not lead us to do any of those things. Now, the list was not, that was not an only list. That is not simply just the list. There is a list that is much bigger that we talked about last week where Paul gives these types of lists throughout Scripture. But he also says this at the end of that is, and the like, right? God's heart, God's rules, God's spirit is written on our heart, amen, and he lives inside of us. So we understand when we are breaking rules. James actually tells us what he says, um, if you don't do um, anything you do, now I'm going to mess it up. If you don't do the things um, you think you're supposed to do, it's a sin. So, um, yes. So, there's a lot of these things that we know that the Spirit is not leading us to that Paul revealed last week. But Paul doesn't waver from grace being the only way to heaven. So just because Paul says to stay away from those things, it doesn't mean that he's wavered from grace. But he does say that those who are sons and daughters don't make it a habit of following the flesh. So we talked about what is a habit. It's not a one-time offense, and then that means you're going to hell. A habit is something, right, that you're doing over and over and over and over again. Now, some of us have had habits for a week, just like day after day after day, or week after week after week, or month after month after month, and then God sets us free. And then a couple months later, three months later, six months later, we're cussing at the driver in front of us again, right? That rage came back out of us. We're frustrated once again. But God will eventually set us free. So my point in that is don't think that when you fall short once or maybe twice that God's grace isn't big enough to cover that. God's grace is big enough to cover. But it's those who just choose to walk in the habit so today, Paul will help us see what the fruit of the Spirit will look like in our life. We know what the fruit of the flesh is. We know what the evidence of the flesh is. But now, Paul's going to help us know what the fruit of the Spirit is. This means we will experience growth and maturity in these areas as we submit to the Spirit. Now, one of the unique things about fruit is um, you talk to people and fruit looks like a lot of things, right? But 
what we try to do is we try to categorize fruit and justify why we're okay because of the category categorization. So some people say that fruit only means that I've been challenged within the past three years. Well, how many people have been healed? Well, you're not seeing any fruit in your life. Really? Is that the only way that we see fruit in life is if someone gets healed? Well, how many people have you seen come to Christ? Is that the only way that, we're measure, that we measure fruit? Fruit is not measured by individual categories. And we're going to get to that. So, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, there is a tendency for all of us, I believe, or there has been a tendency for most of us, that as we read through the gifts of the, or the fruits of the Spirit, what we say is, I need to work on this. So how many people in here, as I read, read these, are like, I need to work on this, I need to work on that? Any, any of you guys see individuals, individual things within this? There's certain things in this that I'm like, yeah, I need to work on that a little bit better. So there's a tendency for us, I need to work on loving people, I need to work on being more joyful, um, I am kind, but I need to work on self-control. See, but Paul did not mix his words when he said, but the fruit. See, notice he didn't say the fruits. What Paul says here is, but the fruit. So Paul is saying the fruit of the Spirit is all tied together as one. So when God makes us a new creation, he doesn't enable us to simply pick and choose the virtues that we want to add to our life and to appear more fruitful. And that's often what we've done, right? Someone has told you, hey, Joey, uh, you were not very kind you're charismatic, and you appear to have joy and peace in your life. So you don't seem to be very kind, though. So since you're not very kind, you're showing that you you're following the Spirit in these areas, but you're not submitting to the Spirit in kindness. So what we do is we measure in our mind things that we need to work on and things that we're good at. Am I the only one that's done that in the past, participating? Because if, if, if you guys aren't raising your hands, I don't know if, if, I, if I'm preaching to myself. So Paul is saying that the fruit of the Spirit is all tied together as one. So there's this chart um, that I made on Word. Look how creative that is. Highly creative, isn't it? <laughs> I was actually trying to draw downtown Columbus and, and uh, didn't come out too well. So what we end up doing is we say, with, with, with a chart, right, with a graph, what we say is, I'm loving. You know, like my loving is maybe like a three-quarter skill of love. So in the, fruits of the, in the fruits of the Spirit, I'm a little bit better than not at loving people or loving ice cream or loving the Buckeyes, however we determine what love is, right? So at loving, I'm like, 
better than average. But a self-control, that self-control is something that I need to work on. I need to focus on my self-control because I'm not very good at self-control. And then we say, joy though, boy, I am really joyful. So then we grade ourselves or evaluate ourselves with joy much higher. And then our gentleness. Uh, my gentleness is really good with um, really good with Macy, but then when the dogs try to steal Macy's food, then the man comes out of me and ain't no animal. So then ain't no animal going to steal her cheese because then if someone steals her cheese, that means that my cheese is coming off my burger to go on her sandwich, and now I'm mad. So dog, I'm not going to be so gentle with you. Right? So loving above average, self-control not so much, joy way up here, and then gentleness maybe just average. See, what we tend to do is we tend to think that I am good at this or I am good at that. And since I'm not good at this one, I will work on it. We don't need to go to that one quite yet. I don't know if it's behind me. Yeah, we can go back. Thank you. Essentially, we just see fruit. Essentially, we see the fruit of the Spirit as individual fruits. Suggesting that they are different than one fruit. See, what Paul said is the fruit of the Spirit. What Paul is saying is there will be united evidence of transformation in our lives when we submit to the Spirit. So what he's saying is the fruits, the fruit of the Spirit will grow together, right? Not individually. It will grow together. See, as believers, we often confuse our personality as a fruit of the Spirit. So, for example, maybe someone is quiet and reserved. So then what they may tend to think about themselves or we tend to think about themselves is, well, because they're quiet and they're reserved, they're patient. The fruit of the Spirit that they're best at is just being patient. Or maybe there's someone who's an extrovert naturally. So we say, well, that person's always talking. They're always smiling. They're energized by people. So you know what? The fruit that's in their life is joy. And then maybe someone who's naturally gifted or just a personality trait that they've been given is they smile a lot. So we think just because they smile a lot, a lot that the fruit that they are possessing is kindness. And what we tend to do is we're still putting these fruits in individual categories by which we work on. When Paul does not say fruits, Paul says fruit. We can't confuse our personality trait or our gifting with the fruit of the Spirit. Since Paul uses the idea of fruit, singular, of the Spirit, it means that they collectively are one. Therefore, we are only, this is, this is what's hard, Therefore, we are only mature as our weakest fruit that we have. And maybe our personality has convinced us that we are more spiritually mature in one area than another. So, for example, Carissa is our current worship leader. Thank you, Carissa. Should have said that earlier, too. Um, who knows if Carissa does that 
for 30 years, six months, or three weeks, right? We would love for it to be 60 years, right? We'd also love for y'all to help her for 60 years. I've seen these. I've seen y'all keep some beat on, on the Wranglers. So, for example, our next worship leader. What if that candidate is loving, they're joyful, they're forbearing, they're kind, they're good, they're faithful, and they're gentle? Sounds really good, right? But when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, they lack self-control. And the areas that they lack self-control, I'm not even going to mention today. Do you think that we can compartmentalize the love, the joy, the peace, the forbearance, the kindness in their life and forget about the self-control? I'll tell you this. At this point where the elders are at is the elders will only see the next worship leader as mature as their weakest attribute. And they possess all these areas where they appear to be mature, but then they lack self-control. We can't say they're really that mature, right? I believe what Paul is helping us understand is the fruit of the Spirit is not individual things that we can create and make ourselves feel much better than in reality we lack here. So, for example, now you can pull up that next one. According to my cities, to Columbus... Our spiritual maturity is only as high as self-control. Does that make sense to you guys? It doesn't matter how much joy you appear to have in your life, because that could just be a personality trait that you're lying to everyone about. The fruit of the Spirit is only as strong as our weakest element, because the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit, singular, is one fruit. So because it's one fruit, it means it grows together. When I plant an apple tree, I don't grow grapes off of apple trees, right? So what God is saying through Paul is the fruit of the Spirit. These things will grow together comprehensively. Does that make sense? I don't know if it makes sense yet. Uh, maybe because we've never thought about it this way. But here is self-control, and self-control is... I'm sure all of you can read that. Um, I hope you can't because I don't even know if I spelled it right. So self-control, and then at the bottom is a black line, and that's where I'm at on self-control. I let Macy grade me. I said, Macy, just grade me by cups. <laughs> I'm kidding. but um, So the blue cup represents self-control, and... Maybe this is as high as the container, like this is 100% for you gamers. This is create your player on Madden, and it goes up to 100%. We can only go, my self-control only goes up this high, but the container is the fullest. So I'm still lacking. So self-control, what, what I do is I say, I'm lacking in self-control. And then what I say is, but I'm really good at loving people. And Macy said I'm really good at loving her. Thanks, Macy. So... Loving people, I do really well. So my cup is almost full. So I grade myself and I feel good about this fruit of the Spirit because it's almost full. And then my joy, it's just midway. Um, things could be better, things could be worse, but I grade myself, or Macy grades me midway at joy. And then essentially, then I say peace. 
Well, um, peace is like maybe a little bit below because sometimes I worry about things I shouldn't. So when I talk about the fruits of the Spirit, what, what I, I might not have much peace because I can't get it to stay. So when I talk about fruits of the Spirit, then what I end up feeling is that everything is individualized in my life. So then if I'm looking at, if I'm looking at what I need to work on, then what I try to focus on now is I try to focus on working on peace and self-control, and I focus on out of my own strength trying to become better rather than just letting the Spirit do its work in me. What I believe that Paul is saying is, um, I guess I'm not, uh, I'm not, mm, I was thinking about using water and poking a hole in it. What Paul is saying is this, is this does not represent the fruits of the Spirit. Because fruits is not in the Bible. The fruit of the Spirit is. So every quality, so love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, self-control, they're all represented in one cup. So these are not relevant. What's relevant is one cup. The fruit of the Spirit is just simply the fruit of the Spirit. God doesn't grow strawberries on apple trees. God doesn't grow grapes on apple trees. What God does is he will mature you. He will mature you as a fruit in one cup. So you're going to grow together as we submit to the Spirit. My joy will increase. My peace will increase. Now, it doesn't mean that you're faking joy. It doesn't mean that you're faking happiness. I guess what I'm saying is, as the Spirit moves, we can't individualize it. It's submitting to the Spirit, and the fruit is of one cup. Singular. Does that make sense? God's going to grow us together. And there's no way, there's no way that you want us to hire a worship leader if they lack self-control in a lot of bad areas, right? So you understand that our maturity, our spiritual maturity is, it's hard to say, but maybe sometimes our spiritual maturity is only as high as our lowest um, fruit if we individualize them. But we don't individualize them. So what I believe Paul is getting at here is the Holy Spirit works in our life. When the Holy Spirit works in our life, he doesn't say, let me add joy but not love. He doesn't say, let me add peace, but not gentleness. Because the fact of the matter is when Jesus came into our lives, when Jesus made us a new creation, the old has gone and the new is, the new is here. So because Jesus isn't divided and Jesus isn't, um, isn't struggling with anything and he's living inside of us, we become one. So it's the fruit of the Spirit. Therefore, we possess all the ability to be loving, to be self-controlled, to be joyful, to be gentle. Because he's in us. Amen? He doesn't say, um, yeah, let me give you self-control, but not gentleness. As the Holy Spirit moves through us, the fruit grows together. So you can go to the next slide. So I believe... <laughs> Can't even draw it straight on the computer. But I believe our general competency will grow together. 
because the creator of everything is living inside of us. It may be better represented than love, self-control, joy, and gentleness in different containers. You can go to the next one. I essentially believe we are in one container, right? That the fruit of the Spirit is within one container of our life. That we will just see growth take place in many areas of our life over time. And we're going to get to here at the end of the sermon is our focus is never to avoid such things. Our focus is to follow the Spirit. Nevertheless, it's one fruit. Paul is talking about one fruit, not fruits. So we must understand the fruit of the Spirit moving forward from a humbling stance. Because sometimes we try to justify our submission to the Spirit in a certain area can wait because we are excelling in another. You know, I'm really self-controlled, so that means I don't have to have peace. That's kind of cognitive dissonance that kicks in in our life. So by now, I hope you hear that I believe Paul is saying we cannot separate and itemize these characteristics, and we can't separate and itemize our submission to the Spirit. Much of the Bible talks about fruit. So fruit is talked about in the Old Testament, and fruit is talked about in the New Testament. So we have to understand what fruit is. And the only reason we can produce fruit, though, is because Jesus is living in and through us. That's the only reason we produce fruit. And the fruit that comes from God is not divided. It possesses all things. It gives us all things that we need. So we can't start to itemize it and divide it. We grow together. So John 15, 1 through 8, you guys are familiar with this. I am the vine, or I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You know what's kind of hard about that is we're going to be cut either way. We're going to be pruned or we're going to be cut off. So cutting is coming. Why, sorry, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. So Jesus didn't say that you bear many fruits. It was that you bear much fruit. So Jesus here is still using the context of it being singular. So when Paul uses it singular and then Jesus uses it singular, what we have to recognize is fruit is we have to quit believing the deception that we get to itemize 
morality or the fruits. It's one thing. When we become a new creation, God is going to grow us if we remain in him. Amen? Amen. But the only way that we grow is if we remain in him. The fruit that comes from a plant can only be based upon the genetics of the plant. So I ask you, what are your spiritual genetics today? The flesh or the spirit? The flesh or God? An apple tree does not produce oranges. Therefore, when we remain in Christ, the fruit of him will come out of us. The fruit of him will come out of us. In Hosea 14.8, it is said, Your fruitfulness comes from me. So God is the source of all fruit. In Psalm 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in season. Matthew 13, 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. Philippians 1, 11, well, 9 through 11. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. God wants us to be fruitful, but all fruit comes from him. And he is not divided. So we will have one fruit come out of us. Now what we see is um, you and I were created to produce fruit. Romans 7, 4. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ. That you might belong to another. To him who was raised from the dead. In order that we might bear fruit for God. We might bear fruit for God. When we hear bearing fruit, what we only seem to think of as bearing fruit is witnessing to someone else. Now, that would be fruit. I think that would be um, obedience. That would be loving God. But we only think that fruit is limited to witnessing or leading someone to Christ or baptizing someone. Does anyone else think that sometimes that's what the church focuses on as fruit is just leading people to Christ? Like that's the pressure that you feel. Fruit is so much larger than just that because what we think of is Jonah as we brought him up several weeks ago. Jonah from, um, from an um, evangelistic perspective was one of the most effective evangelists ever. Why? Because he hit 100%. 100%. He went, 
he preached to Nineveh. All of Nineveh repented and they came to Christ. But did we see a lot of fruit of um, joy and peace in his life? No, what we understand about Jonah is he was angry the whole story. So there wasn't a lot of joy and peace in his life. So just because he was the most effective evangelist that we read about doesn't mean that he was also fruitful in his life. See, God will use people to lead, God will use people to do his mission and that person not even be submitting to him. Has any non-believer ever said something to you that convicted you that then you you've been used? That that person was used and then you submit to God and you're like, I've been caught? So God uses non-Christians all the time. But fruit is different. God wants us to bear much fruit. So what would that look like? Collectively, love will increase in our life. Collectively, joy and peace will increase in our life. Collectively, forbearance or patience. Kindness and goodness and faithfulness will increase in our life. Collectively, gentleness and self-control will increase in our life. So, what will happen in those individual areas in our life when we see God at work? Well, the first one that is brought up here is love. We will express deep love towards others. We will care deeply about others in our lives. We just won't think about our own kingdoms. We will be willing to be sacrificial. And what scripture tells us is there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend. Obviously, that was Jesus who was willing to die on the cross for us. But that was the example for you and I. So as we grow in the fruit, not the fruits, as we grow in the fruit of the Spirit, you and I will become more loving towards one another. But we'll also fall deeper in love with God. And that's first and foremost. Matthew 22, um, 36 through 40, you guys are very familiar with it. Love God and love people. The greatest two commandments. We will see love for God and we will grow. Yeah, we, we will love God more and we will love people more. And we also think about love, John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So we will grow in our love for others. John 15, 13, there is no greater love than to lay one's life down for a friend. So as we are led by the Spirit, our love for people and God will grow. Our joy will grow. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but rather righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if we're not experiencing joy in some area in our lives, because the matter of the kingdom is not of eating and drinking, it is of joy, then there's somewhere where we are following the flesh and not the spirit. 
Acts 13, 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. God wants us to have fun and have joy in our lives. As we are led by the Spirit and not look to our flesh, we will experience joy. Also says peace. Ephesians 2, 14 through 15 and 17. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was created, sorry, his purpose was to create in himself one humanity out of two, thus making peace. Verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So you and I will experience peace as we submit to the Spirit. Philippians 4, 6. Instead, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, tell your request to God, and the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So peace that surpasses all understanding. As we are led by the Spirit, we will grow in peace. Forbearance or patience. Ephesians 4.2 Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with, uh, bearing with one another in love. Colossians 3.12 Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness Humility, gentleness, and patience. See, if we're looking to serve the flesh, how are we ever going to be patient with people? If we're looking to serve the flesh, serving the flesh does not bring peace and joy. So Paul is saying, as you surrender to the Spirit, as you submit to the Spirit, these types of, this type of fruit will grow. Kindness, we will imitate Christ in kindness. Titus 3, 4 through 5. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So we will be kind to others, not because they were kind to us first not because they deserve our kindness. We will be kind to others because we're submitting to the Spirit and the Spirit's fruit, the Spirit's heart, God's desire is that we are kind in spite of how people treat us back. Amen? Because if he wasn't, then he wouldn't have been kind to us. God was kind to us in spite of how we treated him and how we treat him. Amen? That's been the book of Galatians. Goodness. This is closely related to kindness, but this, um, when you look in the original language, this one is a little bit more focused on being generous. So, as you are led by the Spirit, you will be generous. You will be generous with your time. You will be generous with your resources. You will be generous with more things in your life, like serving um, kids um, breakfast. 
The kids loved it yesterday, by the way. We had 30-some kids out, and what a great breakfast. You guys can pick up your griddles. Um, great time. So thank you for being generous and giving of time and money and resources. But as we are led by the Spirit, we will grow in our kindness and generosity. Faithfulness, 2 Timothy 2.2, and the things you have heard, heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Faithfulness, as we are led by the Spirit, we will grow in our reliability. Are you reliable to the family members in your life, to the friends in your life? Are you reliable to the community of believers in here? As we grow in the fruit of the Spirit, there will be a reliability in our life that people can trust us. As Macy and I were walking in today by the basketball court, there's always a puddle there when it rains or snows. And um, Al is always reliable to go out and get that. And my thought was, well, in 50 more years, when God takes Al, who's going to sweep this? That was my thought. Who's, who's going to sweep this? And I guess I'll go sweep it. I don't mind sweeping it. But Al has been reliable. And Kathy, have, they both have been reliable to the church and serving and ha trying to have a pure heart and participating and encouraging. So the reliability of fruit, the fruit that when Christ makes us a new creation, fruit that will happen is our yes is our yes, and there's a reliability. We can depend on one another. We are faithful. Gentleness. Galatians 6, 1, that we'll get at next week. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in, in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As we submit to the Spirit, we will grow in our gentleness. And there's this idea of when we need to rebuke people or punish people that we have to be heavy-handed and get in their face. The fact of the matter, what Jesus is saying is, be gentle. Be soft. It doesn't mean that the word's not sharp because Proverbs also tells us better is a sharp word from a friend than a kiss from an enemy. But what we have to understand is we can be gentle. And many of you guys probably remember the story. Um, there was a friend, acquaintance in our life who grew up in the church. Her dad was a youth pastor. And when she was in high school, she made a lot of bad decisions. And... Um, the parents and the grandfather who was the pastor of the church found out about it. So what they said is the only way to restore her is if she confesses her sin. So they told her the only way that you can be restored unto Christ is if you stand up in front of the whole church and confess your sin. So one day at the church, she comes up to the pulpit. She confesses her sin. I've been partying. I've been drinking. 
smoked a little bit of marijuana, had premarital sex. I'm sorry. Right then and there, the grandpa kicked her out of the church in front of everyone. You're no longer welcome here. He was not following the rules of restoring someone gently, was he? That's not how Christ restored us. That's not how Christ chooses to restore us. See, Christ, what he was willing to do was wash our feet. Our dirty, dirty, dirty feet. He was willing to die on the cross for us. And he didn't die on the cross for us, for then us to go um, demand repayment back. And there's also a parable about that, right? Nevertheless, there will be gentleness within our life. We don't de um, demand to get our way or to be over-assertive because we're gentle. Self-control. Paul is helping us know that as we grow with Christ and follow his spirit, we can fully overcome temptation and the lusts of the flesh. Jesus, who is living inside of us, if we put our faith in him, if we are new creations, that means that Jesus is living inside of us. And if Jesus is living inside of us and we are yielding to him, Jesus is never leading us, never, ever, ever leading us to a place to follow our temptations. We have all the ability to fully overcome temptation if we just follow the Spirit. So by now, we have to realize that the only way we can overcome our flesh is by submission to the Spirit. What often happens is with our cups, what we say is, I lack self-control, so I'm going to focus on it. I'm loving okay, so I'm not going to focus on it. Joy, I need to focus on joy a little bit more because I'm not very good at it. And peace, I'm not going to focus on it. So these two I don't need to focus on, so I'm just going to throw them off. These two I'm going to focus on. So then when we try to serve God better, what we do is we focus on our issue more than we focus on God. Anyone ever feel like you do that? You try to focus on your issue more than you focus on God? Because what we feel like is once I fix the issue, then I can be spirit-led. The idea is I get the sin out of my life, and then that means that I can be spirit-led. But the fact of the matter is that is actually counterintuitive to the Bible because what the Bible says, we should have learned it while I was on sabbatical, is this. We must remember that walking in the Spirit is the way to avoid sin, not avoid sin to walk in the Spirit. And you can, you can find that in Galatians 5, 16. So what we are not to do, what we are not to do is compartmentalize our sins and say, I need to work on this and I need to work on this and these things I'm okay. What we need to do is just understand that God has everything that's in our life in one cup and if we just understand that it's all in one cup and we put our faith in him for our fruit, then we can avoid more sin and we can walk by the Spirit. Amen? So we have to quit compartmentalizing. I'm gonna say it again. Walking in the Spirit we have to remember that walking in the Spirit is not um, we try to avoid sin, but walking in the Spirit is following the Spirit, and then we will avoid sin. 
So walking in the Spirit is the way to avoid sin, not avoid sin to walk in the Spirit. See, the law, the law can never produce fruit. Um, The law can never produce this kind of purity either. So that's what Paul is getting at. The only type of purity and the only type of fruit that can come from our lives is when we submit to Jesus. It doesn't come from the law. It doesn't come from following the rules. It doesn't come from focusing on certain areas in our life that we're doing bad. Focus on the Spirit. The Spirit of God will grow us in all of these areas on His timing, gradually. These areas that you fall short in, yield to Him, right? Yield to Jesus and repent. It's that simple. Yield to him and repent. Ask for help and obey him. But don't just focus on one area. If you wake up tomorrow, when you get home today, while we're sitting in church right now, God, I recognize that I fall short in many areas. Give me the strength and the boldness to follow you as you produce fruit in my life. Don't focus on just changing that area. Focus on following him. Ask for help and obey him. Why? Why do we want to do that? Because Paul continues and he says this. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So there's no law against the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit is good. And Paul ends with this. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and um, envying each other. It's something that um, we we really have to guard against. Um, False humility and then becoming becoming, um, conceited. So we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. So let him be one step ahead of you. Just follow him around, right? Keep step with him. But let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. What happens is when the Spirit of God starts to move, people start to become envious, and people start to become little gods, and people start to say, look at all my fruit, and then people start to say, follow me because I'm doing it right, and then it gets really, really, really weird, right? Focus on Christ and let him produce the fruit. That's all we have to do. We don't have to have, I'll carefully say this because there's wisdom and there's the body of Christ, but we don't have to have like the five steps to make your marriage better plan or five, five steps for kingdom finances or five steps to becoming a better leader. There's one step, maybe two. Put your faith in Christ and be obedient to him in all things. Amen? Like, that's the steps that the church, generally, the world church has entertained people because they started to give you other steps. No, look, if you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, it's a sin. That's my James scripture. If you know the good you ought to do it and you don't do it, that's a sin. If you know the good you ought to do, that's the Spirit of God speaking to you. That's the Spirit of God asking you to obey. 
So if you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, then you're following the flesh. So no condemnation, but if we want peace, if we want joy, if we want humility, if we want patience, if we want self-control, because why do we keep on going to the same well when it's dry? We keep on saying, God, I, I want to get rid of this, I want to get rid of this, I want to get rid of this, but we keep on going back to the same well. Go to God and watch him get rid of everything else. Amen? So, well, I'm going to pray, and we're going to start Galatians 6 next week. Father, I just know that I've been deceived by compartmentalizing, um, putting, I guess, uh, characteristic traits or um, gifting in certain areas, maybe even sometimes fruit, Father where I focused on my bad fruit rather than my good fruit, when in reality, you're just growing me, um, growing me as one fruit, Father. You're pruning me for sure. But I pray today that you would help us focus on you and not the things that we need to do better. That if we just lock eyes with you, Father, everything else will fall off. So I pray today, Father, for those... Um, for those of us who are dealing with struggles of lack of self-control, lack of joy, lack of peace, lack of forgiveness, lack of patience, lack of love, lack of kindness, Father, that we wouldn't focus on that, but we would make eye contact with you, that we would focus on the things that you call us to do. So speak to us clearly this week. Father, may we not wait for the billboards, for the big signs, for the perfect song to come on, but may we recognize that the answers are in the word and that we can find them there. In Jesus' name, amen.